Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Acts 2, verses 41 to 47. Then those who gladly received his word were baptised, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I don't know whether you're a person who reads a lot of books or you don't read many books. If you read the Bible, of course, you're reading a lot of books already. It's 66 books. And to me, one of the most exciting books you could ever read is the book of Acts in the Bible. It's just in the New Testament. It's an amazing story, a true story of what happened when the church first got started in the world. I remember, I can actually remember the first time I read the book of Acts because I was on honeymoon at the time. I was there with Zoe, lovely sunny place in Mallorca, and I started to read this book. I was reading that and I was also reading a book by a guy called Brother Andrew which was all about uh, how he was smuggling Bibles into all these places that were very hard to reach in the world so this all was saying to me as a new follower of Jesus Christ how exciting it was to follow Jesus as I'm reading the book of Acts and as I'm reading God's smuggler and actually I'm a police officer and that seems exciting but compared with this that was just dull that was monochrome because this was technical this was full-on this was adventure that was taking place that's what the early church started just as a group of ordinary people who suddenly were set on fire with love for God literally set on fire it was like there were tongues of fire on their heads people could see it there was power that was being released among these people it was, it was like nothing else that the world had ever seen before I don't know if you've ever read something which is so exciting where you just find out these people suddenly are going for it as they realize who God is who they are now because of what Jesus has done because he died and rose again for them and then he sends his Holy Spirit upon this group of people and everything changes. They call it the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost. And then since then, uh, the, the, the church just took off in these incredible ways. It says that there were these signs and wonders, miracles were just commonplace in a church like that. And the Lord was adding and adding and even multiplying as the years went on the amount of people who were coming to that church. A friend of mine called Alan Hirsch says that by the end of that first century, so just after 70 years or so, the church had gone from 120 to suddenly 3,000. By the end of the century, they were at 25,000 Christians that, that, that were in the world. But then by the year 310, believe it or not, there were 20 million Christians around the world. It was just exploding across the whole of the Roman Empire. But then I look at what happened in history and see that it kind of went from to and flattened out. 
And in all kinds of places around the world, it stayed pretty flat, although some places it's taking off. What made the difference? What is it that makes the difference when that happens? And why is church different to that now? What is different about church as we now think of it mostly in the world versus the church as Jesus talked about it when he first set it off and he said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something called the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing's going to be able to hold back this new thing I'm doing that's called the church in the book of Acts. Now, in those days, people didn't have an idea about going to church. They just were the church. It was like you became the church. You were a Christian and you became part of the church. And the gatherings were small and medium and large and sometimes very large. They would usually be in houses. That was the kind of the common unit. And then sometimes they would hire places. They'd rent places like Paul hired a place called the Hall of Tyrannus. But not just for gatherings. This was a place where they would send people out. They would train people to go and start new churches in new houses and small and medium large places all over and they would sometimes be in temples and in synagogues they would just reach anybody they could and help them to find find their way back to God but imagine you went into one of these churches say it was a house you'd, you'd come in and you'd, you'd, you'd hear the music before you got there because this was a party, this was a celebration. It, there'd be all kinds of people playing musical instruments perhaps as you walked in. And then you'd go in and people would be sharing food and just having fun. There'd be, there'd be wine, there'd be various things to be able to eat. And then um, the, the, it, it wasn't even that the service began because this was just a gathering of God's people who were thankful for what Jesus had done and who he was and that he'd promised that when they gathered together he was going to be with them. And so they believed that so they celebrated his presence and they would have a feast they would be generous towards one another and to people outside of that gathering yeah you know you can just imagine that, that walking into a room and having all of these people milling around and enjoying themselves and then perhaps um, somebody would get up and read a letter that had come from an apostle perhaps this apostle was the apo apostle um, junior who uh, was not junior as in a, a, a young person. Junior was a female name in the New Testament for a, a woman who was an apostle. Perhaps she would have written a letter to help them to think about how best to organize together or to help to address a problem that was going on in the church because those were the kind of things that apostles did. And they would also be encouraging them to not just stay in their own walls, but to break out into new ground in, in new places. So after they've read that and they've discussed it and prayed together, they've looked at and discussed and talked about some of the stories of Jesus, the things that Jesus taught, what, what people knew about him, what they'd seen, these eyewitnesses and the miracles. This would raise expectation. Perhaps then they'd worship again together and the Holy Spirit's power would be so evident. Somebody would stand up and say, do you know what? I feel God's telling me that there's somebody here who's got a problem with their knee and they've had it for 10 years and God wants to heal it. And then other, somebody would say, that's me. That's me. I'm that person. And then others would gather around that person and they'd pray and the miracle would happen. Healing would come. And then somebody would bring somebody in off the street and and this would be a blind person they'd just been talking to on the way in. Then they'd say, do you know, Jesus, while he was walking around the earth, he would heal people like you. We believe he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We want to pray for you. And they'd bring him in and more. Maybe the children would come up. They'd gather around this blind person and pray for him. And then they would see. It would just be amazing. All these different things that were taking place. The life of the church that was everywhere. And everybody was involved. There was, you know, prophetic words being given out. The only things that only God knew, suddenly people got to, to know. There was a, um, an evangelistic idea, which was basically, this is good news, and it's good news to share with other people. People in a church like that will be getting cared for by everybody as they shared, as they cared for one another. There'd be teaching gifts to build everybody up. And then they would go out, and these people would sacrificially go to the, what, the, some of the hardest, 
tourist places and just love the people outside of the church too. One of the, the reasons the church grew so fast was they'd go to like leper colonies and, and great sacrifice. They'd lay down their lives. In the middle of plagues, the Christians would go. When everybody else ran away, the Christians would go in and help and, and do what they, they could. And sometimes they'd just die along with them. But they knew where they were going. They didn't fear death. All these things were, were what made the church just grow and become this incredible movement. It seemed like nothing could stop a church like that. So you have this revolutionary people movement. It's just like wildfire going across the whole of the empire and beyond and beginning to press out into Asia and all kinds of places. What could stop a church like that? Only one thing. See, the devil couldn't stop it. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church like this. So the devil couldn't stop it, but instead what they did was sanitize it. There's a man by the name of Constantine, and he became the emperor. He'd prayed at a very crucial point in a battle. He basically was praying to the god Mithras, which was his god, not a, a Christian god at all, for a sign that he would win or that he would lose. And he saw a vision of a cross and he saw this, the, the, the phrase that came to him was, in this sign, in this symbol, you will conquer. So he got the cross and he put it on the shields of all of his army and they went and won the battle. After that, um, Constantine decided, well, I'll become a Christian. And in fact, he paid lots of other prominent people in the Roman Empire to become Christians too. And they made this now the authorised religion. And in doing so, the worst thing you can do with wildfire, I suppose, is to, is to try and kind of tame it. You see, the church had been like this, in, this roaring lion rampaging around the world. And suddenly, Constantine made it into a pussycat and tamed it and put a little pink ribbon around its neck. And, and this is what happened with the church. He, he brought in all kinds of uh, pagan influences into Christianity along with his conversion. He started to say, uh, let's celebrate the, the birthday of Christ. And actually the birthday that we'll celebrate is December the 25th, which actually is, is the birth date of Mithras, which was the, the God that he used to worship. And uh, I'm not saying I don't want any Christmas presents, don't get me wrong on that, but you can see the, the, the other things they brought in. He said, you don't have to meet in houses anymore. We can't control what you do if you're meeting in houses. In fact, we're gonna ban you from meeting in houses. We, we want you to meet in in, in temples, like the Roman gods are all worshipped in temples. So now this god is going to be, be, be worshipped. And he built lots of what they call basilicas. And he authorised certain people. He called them priests. And he said, these priests... Uh, are going to be authorised to be able to minister. There's a priestly class and there's ordinary people. And they instituted this idea and they got people with different hierarchies in the church to say who could do what. And instead of what Jesus talks about and what the Bible talks about, which is a kingdom of priests, which was God's desire that everybody would get to be able to find their place and fulfil their purpose. Here at Ivy, we're in this thing called the year of equipping. We're getting to the end of it now. Have you been equipped? Have you found your place? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Or do you just come to church? Are you just now somebody who, 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 who's changed and started to come along to Ivy and you want to, to check us out and perhaps you're still finding out whether this is going to be your church from a consumer mentality? Or have you been in the church so long, but actually you've still not found your place, you're still not fulfilling your purpose for God? which it, in all kinds of ways will involve being in the church, but it's also meant to be out there. It's meant to be out there in the world that we're releasing all of these gifts and that we are branching out in new ways. We're helping people find their way back to God. We're expecting miracles to take place all around us, wherever we go, because we're the miracle people of God moving in the world in these, in these new ways, because new wine's being poured out. You know, Jesus said, nobody pours a new wine into old wineskins. 
But then, actually, he's been very gracious because over the years, that's what he's been doing. God has been taking old wineskins that have been presented to him in terms of how we do church, and he's been pouring out new wine in them anyway. But the day is coming, and I believe we're in them, when the church is changing and when we need to be presenting lots and lots of new wineskins, which of course involves new church plants. It involves new structures of leadership, of empowering people, of equipping people to be able to, to find their gifts and to use them in the world. And also those new wineskins is you. It's, it's allowing yourself to be somebody. You say, Lord, pour out your love in me, pour out your power in me, and then I'll pour it out into the world. And as you do that, he refills you and fills you back up again with the new wine. Next year, it'll be 500 years since a monk called Martin Luther went and nailed up uh, some points of argument, some theses, he called them, with the, what was wrong with the church back then. He was arguing about the idea of what we call a posh word, theological word, soteriology, which is how we can be saved. See, the church had gone so far that they were saying you had to pay God to be let into heaven. You had to jump through all kinds of hoops in order to be able to do that. And the church became all about itself and about keeping its structures going instead of helping ordinary people to discover what Martin Luther himself had discovered, that salvation is by grace through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. So the first reformation was about soteriology. But I believe, and many others are believing, that the next reformation that needs to happen is the reformation we need to reform our ecclesiology, which is how we do church. In fact, not how we do church, but how we are church. For the last 25 years, God's really been giving this message to other people. And the church that's in the future, 20 years from now, in, this, in the UK and around Europe, will be totally different. We've just got to decide, are we going to be behind that curve or ahead of the curve? Let's be looking for how we can be new wineskin churches here in Ivy and beyond this as we, as we increase by reaching out and encouraging other people to try new things, to be church in new ways and, uh, and to see that every person who's in church is church and everybody gets to play. There's a great hero of mine, a guy called John Wimber, many years ago. He founded the vineyard movement of churches. And lots of people think he's most famous for a phrase that people prayed for many years in church, and it's a good prayer for us to pray today. Come Holy Spirit. And him praying that prayer and encouraging others to do really changed a lot in terms of what the church is about and what happens in churches. A powerful prayer. But actually, he would rather have been known for another emphasis, which is the emphasis that has been ours this year in Ephesians chapter 4, which is this. Everyone gets to play. He would get people and sometimes he would resist being the miracle guy up the front who would pray for the sick. Instead, he would get the children up in a, in a meeting and he would get them to pray for the sick. And uh, then he'd say, look at this. This is the kingdom of God where everyone gets to play. How complicated is that? We, we don't need to overcomplicate that. So, so we're going to be a church in the future that continues to be about helping to equip people to find their way back to God first of all. And then when they found their way back to God, to find your place to fulfill your purpose here at Ivy. God bless you. And uh, as, you're, as you're doing that in these different places that we now meet, let's just pray for a release of new wine in these new wineskins. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.